about one of his surgeries, and he's had many surgeries recently. And Di's dad, like she said, he's, he got saved when he was 40. He's 85. He'll talk to anyone. It's hopeless walking down the street with him because he'll stop and talk to literally everyone and tell them his story about how he got saved or tell them about Jesus. And uh, he is just amazing. So he went to the doctor, and the doctor said, okay, the surgery is taking place at such and such a time. And he said to the doctor, he said, well, I hope you don't mind if I bring someone with me. And the doctor said, what do you mean? He said, I want to bring someone into the, into the operating theater with me. And he looked at him, and he said, I, I don't think that's going to be possible. He said, well, I want to bring Jesus with me into the operating theater, and he's going to be watching you. <laughs> and so the doctor kind of looked at him. And he said, I, I want Jesus in the operating theater with me, and he's going to help you as well as watch you. And uh, so the doctor said, okay, uh, you can have Jesus with you in the operating theater. So they did the surgery. The surgery uh, was successful, extremely successful. In fact, afterwards, the doctor said to him, he said, when he went back for the checkup, he said, you know, I, 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 I've got to tell you this. He said, I have never had a surgery that went so well. He said, I, I, I can't believe it, but every single aspect of it was perfect. And uh, Ty's dad said, well, I told you. <laughs> I told you Jesus would be with you, and I told you that Jesus would be helping you. So he's always a great encouragement, and he's a great man of faith, and we're so happy. And I just want to concur with what Di said. We're so grateful for you, your love, your support, um, and, and uh, for your presence, and of course, for God's grace and presence at this time. This is when we, we need God and family. And I, I've said many a time, I can't imagine what it's like to go through the loss of a loved one not knowing Jesus. And uh, also, not having a community, a family of faith beyond our natural families. So thank you all. Please keep praying for Pastor Di and uh, our family, you know, as we navigate the whole, um, you know, the, the service that's coming up and, and all that will take place. So it's Mother's Day and it's Miracle May. And uh, so I want to talk about... Uh, the relationship between Jesus and his mother and Jesus' mother and him. And the title of my message today is As For Me and My House. As For Me and My House, which is on the, the framed picture that Di has prepared for each and every one of you. And I want to read, go back to Joshua, the book of Joshua, chapter 24 and verse 15, where Joshua is uh, they, they, they're in the promised land. The children of Israel have come out of 40 years in the wilderness. They're in the promised land, and uh, they're fighting to possess the promises of God. How many of you know that you have to fight to possess the promises of God? If you need a miracle, you're going to have to fight. We have to fight to possess the promise of God. Now we receive as a free gift, but there's a struggle. How many of you know the struggle of faith is the struggle between our doubt and our faith, the struggle between our fears and our hopes. And so they're in a struggle, and this is what Joshua says. 
uh, he's, he's saying to the children of Israel, because they're, 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 they're in this kind of flux, they're deviating from God's promises, they're, they're, they're uh, divided, they have divided hearts. And this is what Joshua says, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. And then he goes on to say, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And Joshua makes a declaration that determines his destination. How many of you know that our declaration determines our destination? Where there is no clear declaration, there will be deviation. And so Joshua makes this powerful declaration, and he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I want to encourage you on this Mother's Day, because mums are so... Uh, are so uh, important, and throughout history, you find that that mothers have shaped the environment in which people have come into a relationship with God in a way uh, that that is far beyond what uh, I, I think. If you look historically, very often men have done, and so as men, we need to rise up and take our place, like Joshua. And Joshua made that declaration, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Well, I'm, I'm encouraging you, and I'm at the beginning of this, in this miracle month of May, I'm going to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will believe for miracles. As for me and my house, we will trust in the sovereignty of God. As for me and my house, we will, we will uh, believe that God is not a, only able, but he's willing. And so we can make a declaration. Rather than responding to what's happening around about us, we're making a declaration. We're speaking into the environment. I speak to myself a lot. I learned at, at uh, uh, school, they told me the first sign of madness is, is uh, growing hair on the palm of your hands. And so you'd look at your palm and you'd say, there, you see? You, you, that's the first sign. You're looking for hair on the palm of your hands. And then the second sign of sadness is to, is to speak to yourself. Well, to me, in order to stay sane, I need to speak to myself. Um, because I have, my thoughts have the ability to take me off track, take me places I don't want to go. And uh, I have to speak to myself. So everything begins with a declaration. And Joshua had identified that there was, a, there was deviation that was taking place, and he was making this declaration. 1,400 years later, another Joshua, or Yeshua, which is the same in the Hebrew as uh, Joshua, or Jesus as we know him, Yeshua had two parents, Joseph, who was his stepfather, and Mary, his mother, who would make that same declaration. They made that declaration. And I wonder whether, you know, I wonder whether they had, they had something written in their house 
whether they had that scripture engraved in their house. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And it was in that house that they raised Jesus. And, and uh, of course, Joseph was Jesus' stepfather, Mary his mother, and they made that declaration that led to the ministry of Jesus, the Savior of the world, the destination of the cross, the resurrection, and the birth of, these, of the church. Our declaration is always going to determine our destination. Um, it doesn't mean that there won't be some bumps along the road. It doesn't mean that there won't be some deviations along the road. It doesn't mean that sometimes we'll take the wrong turn or, or not. I can remember uh, years ago when our daughter Bella was uh, just eight months old. We did something really crazy. I was doing, uh, going to Beirut in Lebanon uh, to speak in some churches there and to talk about initiating some church planting initiatives in, in Lebanon. And I said to my wife, Di, why don't we take this opportunity to fly to England, uh, go and visit my dad. My dad lived in, in, uh, in Spain, and he, he had a house in Andorra, which is a small country between France and Spain. I said, why don't we fly to England? Let's uh, fly to Paris, hire a car, drive down to uh, visit my dad, uh, come back, meet my brother at, at, uh, at Disney, Disneyland Paris, uh, and then go back to England. I'll fly to Beirut. Uh, I'll come back, and then we'll come home. So she said yes, surprisingly. <laughs> and it's a long story, but when we, we had flown, and if you've flown from Australia to London, it's a 22-hour flight or whatever. We flew 22 hours with an eight-month-old baby, um, we landed in England, stayed with my stepdad overnight, uh, got up at five o'clock in the morning, uh, got, got, to, got ourselves, got a car to the airport, flew to Paris, picked up a car, hire car in Paris, and we were going to drive to visit my dad in Andorra with a, with a stop along the way. It's a long story. I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but it was just after the World Cup had been held in, uh, in Paris in France. They'd held the World Cup final. I'm a big soccer fan in the Stade de France. And uh, so I was real excited when there's a road that goes around uh, Paris. It's, it's, in, in London, it's the circular. In Paris, it's called the Périphérique, which is the peripheral road that runs all the way around. So you can take the Périphérique and, and take the right exit and end up going where you want to go. So we were on the Périphérique. I was telling Di, she's reading the map, Tell me when we get to this exit. Of course, no MapQuest, no iPhones, no nothing then. And we passed the Stade de France. And I was so excited. I said, look, there's the Stade de France. That's where they just had the World Cup final between France and Brazil. And France won the World Cup for the first time. And I, I was super excited. And we kept driving and driving and driving and driving and driving and driving until we saw the Stade de France again. And I wasn't quite so excited when we saw it the second time because I'd realized that we'd just done a great big circle all the way around Paris and we were back to square one. Well, sometimes in life we have those kind of experiences where we feel like I thought that we were, I was making some progress, but actually <laughs> you feel like you've just been going around 
in circles. And of course, that happens in life. But the good news is we finally got to our destination. And there's a whole lot more to that story, I'll tell you another day, because it was a very long day. We ended up flying, driving all the way from Paris to Toulouse. And if you know France, that's a long way. And uh, so anyway, that happens in life. But uh, the reality is that if we have a declaration like that, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It is a transformative declaration that will have impact on every member of your household and every member of your family. And as a parent, you know, we all know the heartache of, of uh, kids that make their own decision and make their own choices and sometimes uh, end up, you know, in, in where we don't want them to end up. And there are others, families, where it seems like kids are just, you know, stay on track and on course. But right across the spectrum of, uh, of, of our relationships, we all know I, I lost my way. And I'm thankful that God found me. And uh, God found me more than I found Him, although I was seeking for Him in my heart. But here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about five interactions between Jesus and his mother or his mother and Jesus that I think will help us to make that declaration a reality. So everything in a sense, uh, the story of Jesus begins with a mother. Have you ever thought about that? The story of Jesus begins with a mother having an encounter with an angel and I, I, there's something within me that when I think about, uh, when I when I think about how God works, somehow wherever God's wherever God is moving in someone's life or world, you'll find a praying mother, or wherever there's been a move of God, you'll find praying mothers or praying women. And when I talk about mothers today, I'm not just talking about natural mothers. I'm talking about spiritual mothers, people who are mothers spiritually to those who are younger in the faith. And, and wherever, wherever God's moving, you'll find a godly woman or a godly mother that's praying. Um, Abraham Lincoln said this. He said, I remember my mother's prayers, and they have always followed me. They have clung to me all of my life. Charles Swindle, who is a, a, a pastor and a, a, a prolific author, said, as far back as I can remember, my mother would have me down by the bed at night with her praying. I can still hear her voice calling my name to God and telling him that she wanted me to follow him in whatever he called me to do. And then Mother Teresa said this, Mother Teresa, who was not a natural mother but was a spiritual mother to so many, said, if we pray, we will believe. If we believe, we will love. If we love, we will serve. So the story of Jesus began with a mother, but it needed to be ratified by a father. That means that Joseph, Jesus, is, who was betrothed to Mary, needed to agree, to come into agreement with what had taken place because he had to accept his own particular assignment to serve the Lord because we are no doubt familiar with the story that Joseph was betrothed to Mary. Mary conceived as a virgin, conceived the, uh, of the Holy Spirit, 
and she became pregnant. And it doesn't take a lot of imagination to, to realize that there was a lot of suspicion that was taking place when Joseph, who was betrothed to Mary, uh, 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 and, and Mary becomes pregnant, and she tells her parents what had taken place, and that she, the baby that she was carrying, was, being, was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And everyone looked at Joseph, just like any father looks at any boy that is dating their daughter. See? I'm watching you. I've done that a few times. <laughs> this was going to involve faith. It was going to involve personal sacrifice. It was going to involve embarrassment. It was going to involve maybe humiliation. But he had his eyes not on that, but on the privilege. The privilege and the joy of being a father, an earthly father, and training the Son of God in his earthly business. And he kept his eyes fixed on that. And if, we're going to, if we and our house are going to serve the Lord, we have to fix our eyes on the privilege of what God has entrusted to us. Not the, not the sacrifice, not the cost, not the pain. And then, of course, it was ratified by a father, but it had to be navigated by a family. And families are interesting. And Jesus' family, just like your family, is in, was interesting. One of the greatest miracles, it's miracle May, one of the greatest miracles in the Bible is the fact that, that, that was the birth of Jesus, God's son, into an earthly family with a human mother. That was a miracle. And God sent his son, the savior of the world, from heaven to earth in the form of a baby. And Jesus, who was both God and man, grew up in a family with a mother, a stepfather, brothers, sisters, nephews, nieces, cousins, in-laws, outlaws, an extensive family, network of relationships. And Jesus experienced it all. If you had a moment in your household recently, when I say a moment, you know what I'm talking about. Does anyone else have moments in their households? If you have a moment in your household, Jesus is going, don't worry. Seen that, been there, done that. It's okay. Don't beat yourself up. I know the struggle. He, he, he experienced it all himself, personally. The joys, the fun, the struggles, the sorrows of family, including the loss of his stepdad, his dad, who he loved dearly. Because between Jesus' 12th birthday uh, and his public ministry, sometime in that period, Joseph, his stepfather, died. So Jesus knew it, Jesus, Jesus knew it all. And although Jesus was perfect, just like any other family, his family was imperfect. And that made it difficult because Jesus who was perfection personified, was in the midst of an imperfect family. The writers of the Gospels identify the fact that Jesus had 
four brothers, James, Joseph, Jude, and Simon, and he had sisters. Many believe that he had three sisters, so there were eight in the family. Significantly, eight in the Bible is the number of new beginnings, so I think that's quite possible that there were eight in the family and quite likely. And as siblings, Jesus' brothers and sisters would have had the normal squabbles, arguments, disagreements. They would have no doubt had some scuffles and maybe some fisticuffs, who knows. Um, and, 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 and on top of that, they would have had to struggle with the fact that their brother was perfect. Why did he never get into trouble? Why were they always blamed in any, any disagreement that they had with Jesus? Well, we all know because Jesus was perfect, so obviously they were wrong all the time. But some of us have grown up and we've experienced that, where I had a younger brother. Jeremy is his name. It was his birthday the other day. He was eight years younger than me. And it's amazing. Every time I had an argument with him, every, every time we had a fight, I was always wrong. My mother would always blame me. And we would, we would be having fun, but I was always at fault. Um, so Jesus was perfect. And here he was in the middle of an imperfect family. Why did he never get into trouble? He never got into trouble. He didn't cheat. He didn't, um, he didn't lie. He, 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 did, he, he was always on time. I would imagine he didn't leave his socks lying around the house because he wore sandals. He, he, he was... You know, he was always the one that helped tidy up and clean up. I'm sure his room was kept nice and tidy. I don't know. He was human as well, so maybe his room was untidy. How many people know there's no sin in your room being untidy? So here we are with Jesus, perfection in the midst, in the midst of imperfection. But here's the good news in that, is that when we invite Jesus into our home, when we say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, we are inviting perfection into the midst of imperfection. We're inviting Jesus, the perfect one, into the midst of the imperfection of our home. With all of, the, all of our imperfections, all of our weaknesses, all of our frailties, with all of us who have imperfect families. And I remember growing up as one who grew up in a house where my parents were divorced at the age of five. I can't remember, really can't remember my mother and dad being together. And we were living in Beirut at the time. And my mother just kind of was, one day she wasn't there anymore. And my grandmother came to stay with us. And I found out that, that my parents had separated and they ended up getting divorced and remarried. And, and you know, there were all sorts of complications and and then, you know, in, in family life with all of the complexities that you go through. And I, I can remember coming, becoming a Christian and honestly being embarrassed about my, you know, because I'm surrounded by such holy people. And, and I kind of felt like, you know, my dysfunctional, my dysfunctional background 
and all the skeletons that my family had in the closet. And let me tell you, the good news is you're not the only one who has a family with skeletons in the closet. Every family has skeletons in the closet. You just got to go back far enough and you'll find them. And so I can remember teaching a course once and in the course... When I, when I became a Christian and I started teaching, and I can remember reading in there, one of the important qualifications of being a minister is to have an uncomplicated family life. And I looked at that and I thought, well, I'm immediately disqualified. I've got a very complicated family life. I've got a very complicated history of my family going back. I've experienced the pain of divorce. I've experienced pain of relational dysfunction. But the good news is that Jesus brought perfection into our imperfection. And not only that, but he understands and completely and totally identifies with whatever we have experienced, whatever we are going through. And listen to this, there is no shame. There is no shame. And Jesus says, I'm with you. I understand, I know, I've been through that. And so Jesus had to navigate uh, this with his family. And I love this because in Romans 8, 3, it says that God went for the jugular when he sent his own son. He didn't deal with the problem as being remote and unimportant. In his son, Jesus, he personally took on the human condition and entered the disordered mess of struggling humanity in order to set it right once and for all. We need Jesus in the middle of our, at the center of our families. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So here are uh, the, the five statements. I'm going to go through these very quickly. The first one is, when the angel appeared to Mary and said, you're going to have a baby, which would be shocking news for her. I don't know whether she had any time for her mind to go through to the implications of what was being said, the potential shame or embarrassment of her becoming pregnant without having uh, had sexual relationship with her, uh, with her fiancé. And this is what Mary said. Mary said, behold... To the angel, she said, Behold, the maidservant or servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The first statement that Mary made concerning Jesus was, Let it be to me according to your word. In other words, she had the ability to trust in the sovereignty of God. And I believe in our families and I believe in our households, and I believe that praying mothers have this perspective. They have an understanding of the sovereignty of God. Sometimes things don't work out the way we expect them to. Sometimes things happen in ways that are past finding out. But we, when we trust in the sovereignty of God, we can say, Lord, I trust you. I trust your sovereignty. Let it be to me according to your word. And I believe that if we're going to have Jesus at the center of our, our homes, and if we're going to trust, if, if we're going to, to serve the Lord, we have to have that sense of trust in God's sovereignty. 
with Di's mum passing away this week. We had to believe in the sovereignty of God, that it was God's time. But we have that hope that we'll be in heaven. And as she shared so beautifully this morning, we're going to be reunited in heaven. One day, a hundred years from now, I'm looking around here, a hundred years from now, we'll all be having a big party in heaven. And I'm going to remind you, remember a hundred years ago, me and my glorified body with my six-pack, I'm going to be saying, remember how I said a hundred years ago? Here we are. We're having a party in heaven today. We have to believe and trust in the sovereignty of God. Can I encourage you, whatever twists, whatever turns, whatever circles you make around like we did at the Periferique, trust in the sovereignty of God. Secondly, when Jesus was 12 years old, remember the story? They went to the temple. Joseph and Mary took him to the temple. And there he, he, when they left, he stayed behind and was discussing with the, with the religious experts of the day. They were discussing the Word of God. And when they finally realized that Jesus wasn't with them, which is a whole other story, they went back to Jerusalem and they said to him, Why did, didn't you know that we would be worried about you? And Jesus turned to them and said, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. And then he went with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus had an earthly father. And his earthly father had a business. All of us have a, a all of us have a, uh, an earthly vocation, and Jesus had an earthly vocation, but he also had a heavenly vocation. And what I want to remind every one of us here is that every one of us has not only an earthly vocation, we have a heavenly vocation, and Jesus reminds us that we can be about the Father's business. And if we serve the Lord, and if we make a declaration, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, we will not forget or neglect our heavenly vocation. We'll be involved in our earthly vocation. We'll fulfill our earthly vocation. God wants us to flourish in it, but we have a heavenly vocation as well. And they did not fully understand it at the time. And maybe... You don't understand it, or your kids don't understand it, or people that you wish would understand it, or as a pastor of a church, you pray that everyone understands not only their earthly vocation, but their heavenly vocation. But I believe that if we're going to see the, the blessing of God that makes rich and adds no sorrow, that we're going to understand that all of us can be about our Father's business. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will be involved in the work of the Lord. We will be involved in sharing His love and His grace. And here's the interesting thing. In that verse, it says, Jesus went home and He was subject to them. Think about that. Jesus, the one who was perfect, became subject to His imperfect parents. Whoa. That's an encouragement to me because I know I'm an imperfect parent. 
but he was subject to them, not on the basis of their perfection or imperfection, but on the basis of his honoring his parents. And there's a powerful truth there. And it's an encouragement to all of us that are parents, but it's also an encouragement to kids when you think that your parents are maybe not understanding. And you know, you know that I've said this before, but the story of Mark Twain, I think it was ascribed to Mark Twain, who said, I could not believe how ignorant my father was at the age of 18. But by the time I'd reached 21, I was amazed at how much he'd learned in three short years. So those are, uh, I must be about my father's business. So first one, let it be to me according to your word. Secondly, I must be about my father's business. The third one is, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Remember the story at the wedding of Cana of Galilee where Jesus performed his first miracle and he turned water into wine. And, and the servants at the uh, who were, or the, those who were serving at the, at the feast came to Jesus' mother and said, we've run out of wine. And, uh, and so Mary goes to Jesus. By this time, she knows he's been baptized in water, baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's very clear to her now, without any shadow of a doubt, that he is the Son of God. She goes to him, and Jesus says, my hour hasn't yet come. And so she turns to them, those that are serving, and she says, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And a miracle takes place. Can I encourage you when Jesus, if we want to see miracles take place, whatever God says to do, do it. Read God's word. If we want our house to be filled with God's blessing, whatever he tells us to do, let's do it. That's the third, that's the third key statement or interaction. And then the, the fourth one is, Jesus was, Jesus' mother and brothers and sisters are outside while he's teaching, and they say, someone says to him, your mother, your brothers and sisters are outside, and they want to have a word with you. We don't know what that word was, but it wasn't just a normal conversation. It wasn't a conversation that could wait till later. I think that what they were doing was they were going to have a word with Jesus and say, hey, you, you're you're pushing the envelope a little bit too much. There's people that want to kill you. You need to get out of the limelight. You need to retreat. You, want, you need to withdraw for a season. Um, and then Jesus turned and he said, uh, he said, Jesus asked, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? And then he pointed to his disciples and said, look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. So here's the, the powerful truth in here, is that the more we serve the Lord, when, you know, when we make that declaration, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, we are drawn closer into Jesus' family. Not that we're not a part of his family, but we are drawn into the inner circle of his family. When we, when we make a declaration that we're going to serve the Lord, then we know that we are not only a part of His family, but that we are going to know the reality of being in the core of Jesus' circle of love and hope and His presence. When we do the will of our Father, His Father, we are part of His family. Family. And then finally, 
on the cross. And I'm going to get the worship team to come if they would now. On the cross. One of Jesus' last words, statements that he made was he turned to John, the disciple that he loved, and he turned to Mary. And he said, to, he said behold your mother and behold your son. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here is your son. And to the disciples, he said, and to the disciple, which was John, here is your mother. From that time on, the disciple took her into his home. And that final message of Jesus to John, who cared for his mother, cared for Mary until the end of her life, who brought her into his home. And many people say they moved to Ephesus, and he was there in the early church, the, the birth of the church in Ephesus, was basically Jesus' message was care for one another, love for one another, be hospitable. Bring people into your inner circle. Bring people into your world. Bring people into uh, the, your family so that you can express the care and love of Jesus for them. Let's make a declaration. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And let's pray that each and every one of us will know the reality of Jesus at the very center Jesus, the one who is perfect at the center of our imperfection as we grow together in his love and grace. Thank God for families. Thank God for mothers. Thank God for fathers, siblings, families, and for the family of church, uh, the family, the church itself, the family of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Our team have a song that they're going to play right now. Great is thy faithfulness. And as our team distribute these gifts, and remember it's one for each household. So if you're here as a family, take one uh, that you can put in your house as a declaration. And then we're going to pray, and then we're going to close our meeting. Paul says in Scripture that even when we're faithless, God remains faithful. And so we're going to sing an old hymn together. It's got a little bit of a different flavor, but this song is so important, especially to our pastor, Pastor Di. And this was the song that her mom actually sang with her before she went to be with Jesus. So we're going to sing it now. Great is the faithfulness, oh God, my Father's no shadow, there is no shadow
take a moment to pray with people maybe who've never ever made a decision to accept Jesus as their Savior or who would like to make a recommitment of their lives to Christ. When Jesus's mother and brothers and sisters were outside the room asking to speak to Jesus and Jesus turned to the people around him and said, whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my mother, my brother, my sister. That is not to do with what we do, 
but it's to do with believing that Jesus is the Son of God. When we believe that Jesus is the Son of God and we receive Jesus as our Savior, we become connected to our Heavenly Father and we become a, fam a part of the family of God. doesn't have anything to do with what we do. We don't earn a special place or proximity to Jesus. And I want to pray this morning. And if you've never, ever prayed this prayer, never accepted Jesus as your Savior, I want to encourage you, believe that He is the Son of God and receive the gift of salvation that He made possible for us. I want to pray now, encourage you to pray after me. Heavenly Father, I come to you today in the name of Jesus. And I ask you to forgive me. And I receive you, Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. I believe that I am now a child of God, part of your family, reunited with my Heavenly Father. And I thank you for a new day and a new beginning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give Jesus a big hand of praise. If you pray that prayer, we have a book called Following Jesus. We'd love to put in your hand. And at the beginning, before every service Sunday morning, we have a class that, or a group that meet together, grab a coffee, meet together, and discuss some of the foundational principles of God's Word that I know will help you get on track with your destiny and your purpose. And we're so glad that you made that decision, and we want to help you to take the next step and uh, let you know that we are here for you to help you become established in your faith and to grow and flourish. Well, we come to the end of our service, and I want to pray for you. Um, of course, today, if you, uh, when it comes to our giving of our, our donations, our tithes and our offerings, there are envelopes on the, on the seat or on the seat in front of you in the pocket. Uh, you can grab one of those. You can give online. Uh, there's an uh, offering box as you leave the auditorium that you can put that in. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your faithfulness. Never forget that every miracle in the Bible was preceded by something someone did. The little boy who gave his lunch away didn't have it stolen by the disciples. He gave it and he reaped a hundredfold. Never forget, God is able and willing. So thank you for your generosity. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for every person here. Thank you for every family represented, whether here or online. And I believe, Lord, that today you will do something good for every mother, for every woman here, for every family represented. We love you, we worship you, and we honor you. Let miracles happen in our, in our houses because as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord is our declaration in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have an amazing week. See you real soon.